0: Broadcasting from Fairfax, Virginia, you are now tuned in to The Highlight Cast with your hosts, Adam McNair and Kevin Long.
1: Another episode of the Highlight Cast. So uh, this is Adam McNair, and I'm joined for our special year-end uh, podcast edition with, uh, as always, uh, Kevin Long. But also this session, we're joined with by Ashley Nichols, Tamar Mintz, and Victoria Robinson. So this is our uh, leadership and marketing team um, here at, at Highlight, and wanted to get some representation from both the uh, the ops side and the BD side and our, our marketing team. So, uh, Victoria leads up marketing. Uh, Tamar and Kevin are t- part of the leadership team, two of the leaders of our uh, our delivery organization. And uh, Ashley leads up corporate development here. So, uh, thank you for, uh, for taking time to participate in the highlight cast. Uh, welcome everybody. Good here all right. So as we look at 2020 and what we are going to uh, talk about here today, so some of the the podcasts we've done here earlier, we've talked about what a uh, strange and different year it really has been. We've gone completely to, to telework. We've um, we've you know got a pandemic, um, you know that has really changed the way we do business and the, some of the kinds of business that we are doing. Um, and I think the the first thing we wanted to talk about before we get into some of those specifics would be uh, what's everybody most most proud of that they were able to accomplish this year. Uh, we can just go uh, around the room. Uh, go go to tomorrow first, maybe. Or what, what's what's something that you look back on that you think is um, you're proud about from from this year.
2: Uh, So that's such a good question. I think the thing I'm most proud of is how our team has cohesively come together. I think this year has been tumultuous, to say the least, and allowing for flexibility, increased communication, and letting our team be okay with uh, the somewhat... Lack of structure and being okay with experiencing whatever they have to feel in this time um, has been something that I think our organization has done really well as a whole. And I think that our employees have really felt the fact that, you know, the priority is obviously, and we'll always be our customer, but we can't support our customer without the team that we have.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a very, very good point because I I do think – and we'll certainly talk more about this as we talk about some of the support that um, specifically your team has been been engaged in but the whole company. Um, But I don't think you can consider yourself to be a a reasonable person and sit and have a conversation about acting like it's just business as usual and just go get things done and – I mean – When you're at the point where you're wiping groceries down with wipes and having to have conversations about is this a thing that we're supposed to do, like life's just not normal. And so pretending that everybody is going to be able to – act like it isn't, I, I think is foolish. And at least with, when you went to an office, you, you could maybe compartmentalize a little bit. So if you had somebody, you know, painting your living room, you're like, well, that's a disruption, but I'm going to the office. You, you didn't get out of this because you're also working at it at, at home as well. Um, Ashley, how about how about you? What what's uh, you know kind of sticks out to you about uh, about the year?
3: Yeah, I think that, you know, from a growth and development perspective, I think that, uh, you know, in the last. You know, half of the year, especially, we've really been able to grow the team, you know, and that was obviously the ability to do that is based on some external factors, you know, with, with some other like corporate growth that we had. But to really bring in some folks, I think, who really enhance that process to to really, I think, the skills uh, of our team have really come up in this last year when it comes to growth, and I'm talking across the board, like proposals, you know, BD capture. Especially in this environment where you can't do all of the networking and and normal stuff that you do, you know, folks have gotten proactive and creative about how they are, you know, leaning into some of the new paradigm for for how you connect with people. Um, and strangely enough, even given all the limitations, we've developed some of our largest, best, most strategic relationships during this time. Um, and, you know, I, I, that speaks a lot to the team and their flexibility. And, uh, you know, I, I really like the way it set us up for the next year, honestly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I I think in the business, the, um, the ability to network and have those kinds of conversations is really different. I've done some Zoom, you know, Microsoft Teams, virtual networking activities, and... I think it is. They are as effective as as the planning that goes into them. A lot of times, um, the ones that are kind of just one big room and nothing's facilitated, it, it's tough to just sit there and kind of a uh, um, you know big mosaic of a bunch of squares of people. Um, but the ones where they have breakout sessions or smaller groups, and they allow you to have kind of the uh, that speed dating, few minutes with a small group, and then go to another one. Those seem to be pretty effective. Um, Kevin. Go ahead, Ashley.
3: I was going to say, one of the things that I've noticed that that a couple of the folks are doing that is really effective, you know, the go to lunch, have a coffee is where you really cemented some of those personal relationships, because as much as you like to get away from it, personal relationships and the vibe you get from people is a lot of the reasons why people team with you or vice versa. And I think people have really been spending the extra time to try and create that personal connection in these, you know, weird new constrictions. So their efforts are are a big part of that.
1: Yeah, and I will say this much: it, it is the, the it is so much easier from a logistics standpoint. I mean, one of the things that I always really did not look forward to about networking sessions is there's nothing work with, worse. With, you know, well, there are a lot of things worse, but there there is it's not a good thing to get done with your workday and have it be like five thirty or six o'clock and. You know, all right, now i got to go drive in traffic for an hour and 20 minutes to go get to D.C. to then be friendly for an hour and a half and get home at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. That's – I mean some people may thrive off of that. I I, I will tell you that that's not not something I'm crazy about. Um, But the ability to have somebody say, hey, can we jump on a call and and chat at 5 o'clock – yeah, if I'm just sitting here working, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm happy to do that. Um, and, and taking the logistical part of it um, has been has big been, been a big impact. But I, I also think that's just in general um, the 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 nature of of not having a, a, both the commute, but also you know offices. As I look back on. Um, The amount of miles I would put just either going to D.C. or Rockville or Ashburn or wherever that whole day, you've got a big slice disrupted out of it and you don't have that as much anymore. And so when you talk about commutes to the office, I mean, one of the things that Kevin uh, used to say was that you could (laughs) your commute to our office or your commute to Boston took the same amount of time. Absolutely did. And so I know there was a lot of of changes in your Operational corner of the of the of the company uh, as, yeah. as things change. So, what 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 things are you uh, proud of from the year?
0: Yeah. So, Tamar and, and Ashley got the the all, all those things too, and so I'll, I'll hit the the logistical uh, things. I I'm stunned, and Adam mentioned Boston, so that's where I'll go. Uh, that we were able to uh, when COVID hit in. Early March, uh, I was visiting our Kessel Run team in Boston, at a, where we had an entire office building floor set up for for software developers and folks, um, and we're providing hardware and software tools, but you know, hardware for hundreds of developers uh, designed to work in a specific location, and in in a week they put in the clutch, shifted gears, and literally was able to move out of a space, store the hardware that couldn't be put in someone's house, procure different types of hardware, install, configure, secure, lock down, repack, ship out, confirm they got it and have people up and running for 600 developers in a week. So the, the fact that, that uh, we were able to really help our customers move from we're co-locating and we're working and we're working side by side to, we're all going to work from home. We need different equipment and different technology to simulate working side by side in, in no time at all. It was, uh, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. It was amazing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think there's so many, um, you know, your example certainly, and when we start to talk about SBA, that'll be another. I think to Ashley's point about just the the operations as a whole, Um, there were so many things that we accomplished that would have been difficult anyway let alone to be doing them in the midst of we're not going to do it from the office, we're going to do it from home, and we're going to do it with a pandemic going on and all the other things that happened with that. Um, now, Victoria, you're, um, you are you just joined us this year, but certainly in that this amount of time I feel like have um, – really advanced the way we communicate externally and have been a real integral part of the team. Uh, And the time that you've, um, you know, as you look back at, at this year and and joining the company, uh, you know, what are, what are things that that you're proud of?
4: I mean, a big aspect of it is being able to even join the team amidst a pandemic. I mean, finding a job in the middle of a pandemic is already challenging. I also Uh, moved across the country this year so being a part of a new team also transitioning to being remote full-time and being able to you know put that structure in place for a marketing department that you know hasn't gotten a lot of you know resources recently you know it's been a great transition and it's really cool to see all the growth this year and how we can you know Elevate that for next year
1: too. Yeah, I, I do. I, I remember uh, as as Victoria and I were talking, it was you know. Well, I'm I'm here locally and I can get the laptop, but then yeah. in, in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be in California, and um, you know that that's that's something that I think has been really powerful for us as a company is the uh, the the mindset of we can have folks that are working from anywhere. And so uh, we have – it's interesting kind of the the intellectual boundaries you set up. We've always had a team in Cincinnati that's been supporting some of our internal uh, activities. But somehow that was that was more okay or, or like that wasn't an issue. But if you just said eight months ago or ten months ago or a year ago, um, are, are we going to have some people that are running – into their team leads and managers of functions in the company that are going to work from California. But I say, well, not California. Like, I don't know what it is that's different about Cincinnati as it is California, but somehow it would have been like, I, that seems too far. Two more hours. Two time zones, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and and I think uh, the ability to um, draw on talent, you know, from across the the country is is important. And I think um the ability to have uh, you know different different viewpoints and different perspectives and diversity of opinion, and uh, I don't know if there's something you know innate to say that somebody with a midwestern opinion or a, a west coast opinion is is going to look at something you know or our marketing material is going to look different maybe you know and I I think um, I think it's good to get some different you know viewpoints but and just tactically it's also handy because now uh you know victoria is always available in in the evening because the evening's not really the evening it's it's the afternoon for her so that's uh that's helpful often as well yeah and i I would um i'd say for something you know that I, i i am am proud of is that um there were a lot of things that were different and changed, and growth and everything this year. And I think that um, I think everyone handled it really, really professionally, as uh, it, you know, positive and and thinking we were going to be able to do it. And I've worked a lot of places where internal departments screamed at each other, and. Um, you know there was a lot of, of kind of infighting or, or arguing and all of that and um, w- whether it be bids we were doing in the middle of this or or the you know the big programs that that, that we were ramping up or you know the the relocation of teams in Boston all these things um, I I feel like it. Was, I'm not going to say that it wasn't stressful, but I would say that I, I felt like we weren't creating our own stress. You know, not creating your own stress and not creating your own problems. I think is um, is a real testament to just yeah, the, make,
0: the the team. Not making have. the world any harder than it already is this year. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's. Um, I really respect the people we have on our team because I think that's a personal thing. I don't think that's uh you know, you set a corporate policy that you're not going to be, you know, n- not going to be difficult. Um, <laughs> I-, I think that's just- HR uh,
3: policy 2.3.1. Well, why did not- Do I not be earlier? difficult.
1: You're, right. You're <laughs> right. And, and subsection four, please see the don't do stupid things clause. Yeah, like I, you know, <laughs> I I think we've, um, and I think that goes back to culture. You know, I, I think that- um, there are there have been books written about the the value of culture in an organization, and there's only, there's so much that you can do from a policy standpoint and write and say. But I think as everybody acts and and the the behaviors they exhibit, that's that's that also sets the pace for other people. And um, it's just kind of a known thing that you're not gonna uh, what you're not gonna do and what you are gonna do from a uh you know, the way that you engage and talk and everything else and so I, I think that's a, that's the whole group that has um has helped us be that way and um and so I, I think you know going into um into more details on things that happened this year and um you know, I think our support of the, our our Small Business Administration customer has been really, really, t- hugely transformational. Um, and I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time, and it's the biggest it's the biggest undertaking that I've ever seen or been a part of. And uh, you know, I I I used to be really impressed about the fact that I'd been involved in like four or five hundred person contract transitions, and that doesn't seem like it's a big deal anymore. Um, t- Tamara, you want to talk a little bit about just, you know, the the personal experience of, of what it was like because you know we've talked a little bit about it here and 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 um, you know, the companies talked a bit a little, little bit about it that that were supporting their uh, some some of the loan processing and it was involved in, in ramping up you know hundreds and hundreds of people but. It, it, I was legitimately concerned about you or, uh, you know, during a lot of that in, in a lot of our team during during a lot of that. But personally, w- what was the, the tempo of that like from about I guess I guess we started? What was it about March, I guess? March. Yeah.
2: Um, so I think, you know, this program came to us sort of as uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, We've been supporting SBA since 2017 and have been supporting um, disasters across the country since then. So that work wasn't foreign to us, but the scale of the SBA work was. And so I think we were just starting to get into the new norm of how to communicate, how to work with each other remotely. And then the customer said, Small businesses are being impacted. We need more help. And I think this is a true testament that they came to us is based off of the relationship that we have with the customer and the work that's been done by our staff. And I think the funniest thing that happened is um, they said, we need you to bring 500 people, brand new people. And Adam and I talked and said, okay, what is this gonna look like? We can definitely do this. And we're like, it will take us a month. And they said, yes, a month. We can do this, and then the next day, the contracting officer called us and goes, "Consider," and it was very funny how he said it. Consider this your first change order. You have until the end of the week. And so <laughs> I think what is eights, for them. right, right, <laughs> and it's so. So I will say that was the start of my seven-hour work weeks for probably <laughs> four months. But um, I mean, seven-day work weeks, not seven-hour. Um, <laughs> still, still, uh getting back to normal. Um, I think, you know, the the one thing that I would say that I um, can't imagine being anywhere else is that when that happens, it's not a, oh, no, this is going to go wrong. It is, what do we have to do collectively to make it work? And I think by setting expectations with everyone internally and saying, this is going to be really hard, we're going to mess up, and then we'll fix it, helped all of us to come together. And it's bringing everyone on board and ensuring communication to make it work. So um, that was the first uh, task order that we had with uh, our SBA customer with um, OCA. And then because of the fact that we were actually successful in bringing on 500 people, um, and that was related to our PPP work, they said, we need more help. And I think at a certain point, it's really hard to say no when you start seeing the impact. Um, And so the rewarding part about doing this work is that you have people reaching out to applicants who are impacted who say, you know, because of the fact that your team was able to help, we were able to run payroll. We were able to keep our doors open. and you're also hiring from a group of people who were severely impacted. You know, These are people who may not have had a professional job. We're able to give them benefits. We're able to make sure that they know when their next paycheck is coming. And it seems somewhat surreal, but um, you're working with individuals nationwide who just want an opportunity. And so um, that's not to say that it hasn't been difficult at some times, um, the big difference here is that the landscape is constantly changing. No one was really prepared for a global pandemic and no one knew what the impact would be. And no one knows what the impact will be three years from now. And so I think we're constantly just trying to um, continue on and that enabled us to bring on um, over a thousand more to support the Office of Disaster and Assistance and the, the loans that came about from the CARES Act. And so we have a infrastructure set up of remote staff, um, an amazing team of subcontractors who make it possible. You know, I completely agree with Ashley when um, she mentioned that some of our more strategic relationships have been built during a time when we're all remote. And I think it it, it says something to the human factor. Like we are all showing up on video at 7 a.m in whatever we feel comfortable wearing and you know that's important like it makes you human and i think that's something that um has been a positive of being home and working remotely is that you see the human side of everyone that you're interacting with on a daily basis and it's something you don't necessarily see
1: yeah and and to give some context to where this started i mean when when we were asked to start ramping up, I think we had closed the office for a week. I think it was the Friday, the week after we closed, um, because it was like a 7 p.m. Friday evening call to, to start mobilizing this from, from the the customer. And that was in the thick of the lockdowns were starting. So as, as companies were saying I, I you know i'm I'm a restaurant I'm an event venue I'm a the gym I'm whatever how do I you know keep people employed with no money coming in that's everything that was on on the news at that point point. and also you know to tomorrow's point when when we were hiring uh folks it was they were a a, a team from maybe a hotel chain that had had proactively downsized because they saw an impact of their business, and so we were finding pockets of people around the country that that were unemployed. And um, you know, some of the things that we're doing now, we, we've launched a a career development initiative for them. So um, so this year, they're going to have the opportunity to have a resume brush up session, have a conversation about how do you sell yourself for a professional job and how do you market yourself and talk about yourself. Um, and and also some career planning about what do they want to do? Because I think one of the things that a lot of times, not just people like, you know, from, from the, um, you know, this, this loan support that we're doing, but across professional services, we see that um, it it's hard for people to correlate their their experience on one uh, one job to another, and so helping them find some of those underlying skills where it says, "Well, actually, what you're doing is you're doing you're doing analysis of data and metrics." Just because you're doing that on a loan, it could be on any number of things. They're transferable skills, and so that's one of the things we're going to try to help uh, the folks on those programs. Internalize and document so that uh, as they as they look for for careers in the future, um, you know that that that's, that's easier for them. And I know one of the the blog posts that we um, we we had recently. Uh, one of the things that we do internally is we we uh, offer employees the opportunity to to submit topics and and put blog content out there for um, you know for the community at whole, not just our company, but for people in the workforce and. One of the employees on on the SBA contract uh, wrote a blog post about the fact that this is her first, um, you know, her her first time teleworking, her first time kind of just logged into a system for eight hours a day, and and there's a lot of that kind of um, you know gr- growth and opportunities. So it it, it is the entirety of, of the support of, of, of that, that program really was at, at the core of everything you saw on the news every day. Um, you know. And, and I, I feel like, and I'm, I'm sure Tamar and, and her team and the, the internal ops team and everybody feels this way, that kind of sometime in March through maybe, I don't know, August or September was k- kind of a blur of activity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and not that it's way slower now, um, but it is a little bit more structured. I think the figuring out things on the fly and so forth um, pared down a little bit. Now, Kevin, on your side, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, the one the one program that uh, where you guys m- moved out of space. Uh, in, you know, in, in your programs, um, you know, what most of them ended up. Working remotely, some some on site. Well, how did that how did that go in your organization?
0: Yeah, it's. You, I got very surprised just how quickly, how many different programs that prior to COVID, the customer and everyone was dead set convinced had to happen on site, had to happen in a skiff, had to happen. You know, uh, you know, only near people that have. You know, taking uh, polygraphs and things like that, and suddenly are issuing them laptops and sending them home. So, yeah. uh, literally, a hundred percent of my programs went remote. So even even ones in in Intel spaces where where uh, the space eventually became available, but, you know, I mean, the buildings were all shut down. I mean, you know, when you work in an intelligence area, sometimes you have people going to different parts of the world, even in a pandemic, and then they have to scrub every hard surface in in the building, and they had to do that a few different times with, with some of our customers. And so we found people getting really good at finding the unclassified bits of their work that they can do at home, to then be able to hand it off to, you know, a much smaller period of time in space where they put in special sauce, you know, the stuff that that, that can't be done uh, on an open line. And so, yeah, it's uh, – I mean we have – we've had – You know, a new a new CIO at FCC start that has literally never met their team, like Mm -hmm. the government folks. So, I mean, they started uh, what uh, the last week in February and we're meeting. They were bringing on their staff and we were scheduled to meet with them uh, in March and then it shut down. And so, you know, they're trying to figure out how to do an entire IT infrastructure setup and, you know, office move and everything else, having never laid eyes on on anybody that they work with really so yeah it, we we've seen everyone everyone move uh you know uh, off-site remote and you know with a, a remarkable amount of success
1: honestly well and so i think that speaks to the fact that s- some some of the things that we do are pretty easy and not terribly affected by being remote. Um, what, what I'm curious to ask is wh- what are the things, uh, and actually maybe if you have some some thoughts around this, wh- what are some of the things that you've encountered that are really hard to do um, in, uh. in the remote? Co- and, it, and it's not just remote; it's also remote and pandemic. Because even if it was remote, travel is a thing that you can do, and do some things, you know, in person. And I know we've we've worked in companies where the proposal shop might be someplace else, the contract shop might be someplace else, but occasionally, like for kickoff or something, you could decide to go get everybody in a room. Uh, are there? Are there? What are some things that strike you as being? Significantly more difficult th- that you than kind of yeah w- the way we did it last February
3: yeah uh, solutioning by far is is the hardest right yeah. um, this is an activity that involves a lot of whiteboards flip charts and sticky notes and none <laughs> of those things work on the computer uh, so you know it's it's a situation where we're we're toying with some new technologies you know um, Zoom and teams and whatnot have whiteboard features but if you are not set up to use whiteboard features like using it with a mouse like that's crazy talk right so i just bought myself a new piece of equipment that i'm going to see how it works one of these drawing pads that's gonna hopefully allow me to um mark things up in real time uh whiteboard some ideas, erase in real time, you know, as we move into it. In fact, I'll, I'll probably use it for the first time tomorrow with the big solution session. So I would say any kind of truly collaborative opportunity that involves this kind of capture of information that you're used to doing in a room with people and also... Looking around and being able to see their faces and sort of acknowledge their buy-in, right? Am I going in the right right direction? You know, when we're we're on Zoom and we're solutioning, you know, I I had this one project where we started where nobody was ever on camera, right? And I was going to force people to do that. They don't love it necessarily. But I started being on camera all the time and I think that had other people be on there. So I don't have to ask all the time. Does that make sense to you guys? Because I see your head's nodding and things yeah. like that. Um, so, you know, collaboration, while there are a lot of fantastic tools, will continue to be a challenge. But I will say one of the kind of benefits of the remote working is that resources that you normally can't get to during regular hours now can be made available. Mm-hmm. Like if they have a break in their customer work, they can take a half an hour to talk to you or an hour about your technical solutions and things like that, whereas they would never dream of doing that from the customer site because you're on the customer site. But the the remote work allows them that flexibility. They need to put in their time, do their customer work, and that is the important part. But if it's during their lunch or just other times that it works for them, I feel like there's an increased accessibility to those people, which has been a a plus to this process that I might not have foreseen. Yeah, I think
1: that's a good point because I I think, You know, we we block out meeting times and we block out our days in hour, half hour increments. And occasionally you have a conversation where you feel like it took exactly the amount of time as was budgeted for it. But otherwise, you you end up in the 10 or 15 minutes. So if you're just like, well, I'm already sitting here in this conference room. We'll go ahead and chat about something else. Mm -hmm. Or you, you hit a lot of moments where there's, you've got 27 minutes and what do I do in 27 minutes? And those are the times that when somebody that you've asked for feedback on something that they'll hit you up on teams and call you up and fill you in on it. Or they'll say, Hey, when you get a minute, can you call me? And uh, I know for me personally, I probably have 30 or 40 minutes free every day, I just don't know when that's going to be. It, it, it's all blo- it's all booked. But so
3: much of it is, hey, you, you, hang out after this meeting, right? We're already on a call. Yep. I know it was blocked until 12 and it's only 1140, so I know you've got 20 minutes. Let's, right. let's yeah. pivot real quick to this. And I find that's the downside to those scheduling and those increments has been that, and there's no commute time, people have been like jam-packing every block of time. And I have been having these conversations and I have been blocking off half hour periods so that I can mentally pivot to new discussions sometimes. Um, so that that's sort of like the downside of trying to figure out what that time is, and that it's all scheduled because there is very little time for the pop-up. Like as many times I, you know, I'll hit Adam up, I'd be like, I need five minutes, and he's like, Yes, I have five minutes in eight hours. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> the, like other thing, uh,
2: the other well, thing that, that I think is beneficial is because most of us are using video now. You know, in my opinion, the days of multitasking are fewer and far between. And I think we've all done this and it's not good or bad, but some of us are good at multitasking, but they say no matter what your productivity and your ability to support is less by being on video and talking with someone like it's it's genuinely rude. Like you can see someone who's like texting on their phone or something else. (laughs) And yeah. you, it forces you to be like, okay, I'm gonna give you everything for the five to 10 minutes. I'm not gonna be, you You won't see me typing. And I think you get more from people than in the past, because all of us were running around, You know, we had meetings, we were on customer sites. Yep. And so being able to sit and talk for five to 10 minutes, and it's like this new level of just total, collaboration and respect, and not that it was a lack of respect before, but it's showing people that we're giving our full and undivided attention, which I think also um, is beneficial to the organization.
3: I think I've been describing it as like intent and creating intent around the things that we're doing. And I think to your point, everything has to be much more intentional, right? That's uh, absolutely
0: because, the word that I had. In oh, my yes. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, because we're, we're not going to pick it up later. Right. Yeah. And it's the intent around, you know, solving the problem that we're we're solving over the 10 or 15 minutes or a half an hour that we have. And we are much more efficient at getting things done when we are all less distracted and not doing stuff during that meeting. And then I think there's a lot of intention that spreads out into how we want people to experience this covid pandemic inside of our company right like what are what do we what is the effect on that culture and what do we want it to be and being pretty intentional about that um you know some of it happened just by default right you know you realize everyone can tell when i'm doing something else and so i need to not look (laughs) like a jerk right um but I think it's created some really healthy habits around balance, around acceptance, around all kinds of things that then pervade the larger culture or can in a more intentional way, even when we go back to the office.
4: Well, there's also the point of like, usually when you have an idea, you you just jump into somebody's office and say, hey, do you have 10 minutes? And you obviously see that they have 10 minutes to talk. And now you're <laughs> trying to think of what meeting do I have with the group of people I need to, to bring up this topic that I probably should wait until we can have a discussion rather than just trying to hop in their yeah. office and then leave people out. So I feel like it almost brings more people into the conversation than usual because you're remembering when to have those conversations and being yeah. intentional about it.
0: it. It is. I will. I will admit I do miss the chance encounter for problem solving uh, that where you have where we have all of these people in the meetings and when you have all of the people in the in, in the virtual room, you can do that, but it's it's it, at least around HQ, you know, where where everyone was there. It, even if someone wasn't necessarily in the conference room, I can talk pretty loud, and so someone maybe. Right. See, I see that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> then then so, someone may, someone may poke their head and it's like, you know, I have something for that. And th- that you miss the, yeah. I, I, I do, I, I do, I do miss that, but, you know, having the, the intense, pickup meeting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that in MBWA, you know, management by walking around um, <laughs> is, is, uh, is, is something that I do miss, but I, I do love watching, you know, uh, Tamar's and Ash's and Adams and Vicarious, you know, attention as, you know, when you're working on something and it's not just at least not anymore overcoming the technical hurdles of how you can do that, but the, around the problem that you are trying to solve. And it's, it's yeah, I,
1: I think the, the, the spontaneity of being in the office and being able to stop in and say hello to somebody is is something that we do lose. I think that being intentional and in finding spots to make sure that you've talked with those folks that you you need to check in with at least weekly has become much more intentional for me. I know a lot of the the things that are on my calendar are, you know, making sure that um We've had a venue to talk about a topic, or or, or just with a with a person, and sometimes those are the ones where it they literally might be five minutes. It's like, no, there's nothing going on this week. Okay, but I feel like if we don't have that on the on the on the calendar, it's very very easy. I know about a month into this. Uh, one of the people from our our office, whose whose who's, who's, his actual office is down by the uh, like the the break room and coffee machine, I realized I hadn't talked to him in about four weeks. I was like, oh, I we need to create a mechanism for those because yep. I that just doesn't happen. And and the one thing that I I do think is is helpful, and this goes to Tamar's point about. Um, kind of focus is it would be very, very common, certainly for me. And I think a lot of us that you're sitting at your desk doing, you know, quote your job or work. <laughs> and somebody says, Hey, do you have a minute? What well, you do, but what you've done is now stop, change gears, stop working on what you were working on. Try to unpack that out of your head, engage on something else and I don't know if everybody is this way but it's very hard for me if I was in the yeah. middle of oh here's how we're going to do service desk ticket management or you know I'm looking at financials for something or whatever and now it's hey this employee is interested in a- a- advancement where do you think we can have a team lead spot open up in the next 6 months? they're totally different things a- and to try to a lot of those feel to me like when you're at the airport, back when we used to go to airports, and they have those little people mover things, and you step off the the moving walkway, and there's this kind of weird inertia thing that catches up with you, and it's almost jarring going from one topic to the next, and then trying to get back into it. You just it it, it feels very very different, and so I think the ability to have someone say, "Hey, can we talk about this for for ten minutes?" Absolutely love to. It allows you to find a natural stopping point in what you were doing and then have a conversation. And, you know, like Ashley, like you were saying, I've tried to book almost transitions or work time in my schedule because it's so easy to say, okay, we have to hit these topics and those topics. And maybe by Thursday, I'll actually have time to sit down and put, you know, put some work on, on paper, you know, digitally. Um,
3: But then to that point on Thursday, like I've had to start and and this was just, you know, something I've been working on like Monday of this week, like yesterday, I looked at next week and plugged in all of my transition and blocks of time for things I needed to do. Because if I started on like this week to do it, this week's done for, right? Like it's done for already. People have filled in every nook and cranny that they want to for the most part. So, um, you know, like you, there's a lot of meetings that I need to be in, right? And I and I like to have a, at least enough time to change, pivot to what this meeting is about so I can be focused on it when it starts, whether it's like just 10 minutes or something. but. There's, if I have to ideate on anything, right? Solutions, you know, working on better defining highway for Victoria, I can't do that in an hour. You know what I mean? I just, I need to work through some stuff. And so I got to block that time off or I won't get it.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, Because I think as managers of people, too, we're probably all hyper vigilant about trying to be available when people do need us and reach out to us. Yeah. and so it's finding that balance, I think, that has been one of the challenges of this and why it really feels like for when you're working eight hours, like if you work a full eight hours, it feels like you work 12 hours. It like is, if you're yes. just cranking out all day, you're like, I'm just going to fall over.
2: And I can't tell you how many times I've had to take a nap at five o'clock for like half an hour before I can finish doing chores or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm still uh. trying to figure out why I'm in the same chair that I purchased for casual dining. <laughs> so, I think I, think I'm, I think I need an OSHA audit.
4: oh
1: god 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 forbid and i I would like to go ahead and officially offer that i would be happy to bring you a chair you (laughs) tell me what chair you want i will be happy (laughs) to bring it right over um well i I will say you know we uh, as we do the podcast we we connect you know on video here so that we can have that interaction but we strip that out and just put the audio format out but uh Tamar definitely wins, I think, from the the artful background. Uh, my the room that I'm in is so so kind of non appealing that I, I use a digital background. Um, you know, Ke- Kevin here. uses a digital background. Victoria's, you know, is is certainly it Very it wasn't
4: very- at first though, because the first three weeks I was living in this apartment, the only thing behind me was a lamp, and yeah, every it- time I got on video, he was like, "House apartment." uh setup going and he would go the lamp hasn't moved yet
1: <laughs> yeah I, I have <laughs> enjoyed fine. watching Victoria's apartment like start to get get furnished and the pictures would go up and now she has a chair and all of that but yeah definitely uh, actually and Kevin and I are, are more in, in a just you know extra room of the house as opposed to the um, I'm impressed by people that can have that uh kind of I think you call it mise en scene maybe um for, so, for, oh, yeah. it's, actually,
2: it's actually called um
3: limited ratings. Place- what people if it, it, there's a big thing on twitter and everything now called room rating and people rate your room that you're oh, rate oh my gosh
2: that. so yeah. this oh, is actually yeah. the, the oh. result of limited space so <laughs> yeah. because there's so limited space i'm either here or i'm in my kitchen or i'm in my bedroom and this Stop. felt like
0: the better, the better so, so you're saying funny i should hold meetings from my kitchen <laughs> This is
1: my
4: actual office. It just looks like this. (laughs) Before I moved, my first week at Highlight, I was literally at my parents' house because I hadn't moved yet. And every time I got on a call, I had this ugly curtain behind me in this, like, old forbidden chair because it was the only place in the house that I couldn't get bothered during a meeting. I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I had not discovered the custom
1: backgrounds yet. I was like, well, this will (laughs) do. And, you know, it's it's interesting going to one of the other things that I think is difficult uh, during this time. One of the things that we've had very limited success and we've actually stopped, stopped really trying to, to engage with them for a little while is during the pandemic. Obviously, r- recruiting fairs are all virtual now, and we've found that they're not as well attended Um the interaction is not as valuable as as when you have an event in person, and I think um, whereas the way that they used to operate where everybody would sign up and, and attend in person, now they can sign up electronically and they can show up and have a, a, a person-to-person session, but a lot of the candidates don't bother. They feel like if they uploaded their resume, they've, they've attended and that's enough. Yeah, there's um, nowhere near as much buy-in. Yeah. And so so I think, you know, recruiting, we're doing more of the just the typical recruiting. It it is certainly easier to get a hold of candidates now than it than it used to be. Um, But I was was curious at at asking. So, you know, Victoria, you've got a a unique perspective on, as you mentioned, um, joining an organization during covid. And um, what was the like the new employee experience like like how how did you how did you meet everybody like how did you know i know you you were technically here you know locally well <laughs> when you when you you signed on so i think you got to see the office in person maybe i, I did i don't know if you were allowed to go inside or not that was during like major lockdown time but so t- t- could you talk a little bit about what that was like
4: Well, it was unique because I remember us having a couple interviews and I remember talking to Ashley and it was both of the times I talked to both of you. It was probably the most it felt like very informal. So you probably got more of the, you know, uh, authentic like person you're going to work with than you would normally would because you're not sitting in an office freaking out about an interview. And then. I think it was most of the jumping on calls going, oh, these are the people I work with now, and then trying to figure out, okay, where's the org chart so I can figure out what what level of the organization are they in? Who do they work with? I'm still probably working through that, but you know, uh, luckily the nice thing is that because I've come on later in the year, uh, Fiona, our HR person, and then um, a couple other people have put in Paycom and those kinds of things to help me understand where things are. I think it was easier than I expected it to be, but it was definitely some of those moments where it's like, "Well, this is not
1: normal." <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as meeting people, was it mostly just sitting in group meetings that you had been invited to, or were you reaching out to people individually? Are people individually reaching out to you? Kind of, how did that? How did that go?
4: Um, at first, it was mostly going to group meetings, and then trying to figure out okay well this is the person i need to follow up with to know this topic and, and it's kind of like you're playing a big investigation game and i know the first week i was i asked around and i was like well who's in charge of this and then i would schedule 30 minutes on their calendar and they're like i don't know who this person is <laughs> I was like, I'm the marketing manager, and they were like, "We have a marketing manager again. That's awesome." <laughs> Here are the thirty things I've been waiting
1: for to give to you. Well, yeah, that, that and that is, I think, probably as far as meeting people specifically. And you know, in your in your position, you work with so many people in the organization that it it probably drove some of that. Um, some of that interaction with everybody kind of off the bat and uh, it wasn't, you know, it's not, I don't have any of these jobs we have like this, but it's not just as go, go, go sit and, you know, do your own job and you, 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 you receive an input and send something out and it, there's no real uh kind of, kind of cross pollination across the organization. That's, that's really required. Um, well, so we've got, probably uh you know 10 or 15 minutes here more to 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 talk and i just wanted to ask the question as far as um for for your kind of personal work goals for for next year um you know and i'm not talking you know corporate goals we've we've been working on those and communicating them and so forth but um now that you've been working remotely for i don't know i guess nine months now and um we have some amount more, you know, going, you know, going forward. But you know, what are the kinds of things that that you, um, and you know, maybe actually, if you have any, um, if you want to want to start. But from uh, things that you think you want to you want to start doing next year, things that you want to stop, you know, you, you want to do differently. Um, any thoughts about you know, kind of the the things that you you're doing going into next year.
3: You must've been a fly on my wall the last couple of days. I feel like that's all I talk about. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, time management has a big thing I've been learning about, you know, during this, during this period. And we talked a little bit about uh, making sure that I'm setting up times for my meeting transition and just like my thought transition so that I can be giving um, my best Participation to what's happening next, um, and some of it, you know, and as we as we look at maybe on the outset, looking like adding more meetings for next year, as we talk about accounts and line of business and stuff, is taking a look at those collection of meetings and finding out um, how much of it needs to be in a meeting, right? And can they be forty-five minutes? Can half an hour meetings be fifteen minutes? Um, and actually scheduling them for that so people know what kind of time they really have to work within their day um, because it'd be very easy to get overwhelmed with all the meetings and leave very little time for, for some of the work that we talked about. So I find time management and, you know, I've already made some changes the way that I'm doing it, you know, for myself that hopefully is going to yield some better, you know, better participation. But I think to with some of the changes that we made in the organization this year um, and really sort of delineating a bit between like the day-to-day BD operations and the strategy and development and how to spend more time on those things and what's a valuable, you know, use of my time. it, it, it Figuring out how to spend those times on ideation, what needs the most um, focus, what, Groups need the most help. You know, how do we really, you know, lines of business is one of the things we're talking about that is going to have such a huge impact on strategy and how we define that and the materials that we create around it are going to be a huge part of the way our folks go out in the world and talk about what we do. So, you know, I think, you know, letting go of some of the stuff that I felt like I was trying to stay on top of for so long and letting it sort of exist in this other space and, really spending the time and focus on those so that we have this toolbox of, of things for how we present ourselves out there and not just marketing stuff, but really like how we tell the highlight story and making sure all of our people know how to, how to tell that story
1: effectively. So I, I, I think that, um, I think that makes, you know, a lot of sense. Probably for a lot of us. I think those ideas around intentionality and um, also I think being able to divide out, you know, what the real expectations are, um, mm-hmm. is is certainly something that I I think is a good point for um, certainly for me for next year and dividing out the kind of the daily. Um, the daily activity and the strategic activity, I yeah. mean, to quote, I mean, I I, so, something that it was impactful to me uh, years ago, Vish Varma, who uh, we used to work with, um, said that, you know, the things and this is probably not not originally attributed to him, but it was something that he said frequently is that the things that are urgent are often not important and the things yeah. that are important are often not urgent. And, you know, I think the those things that just have to happen on a regular basis and you've got you know we're shipping equipment to boston and we're onboarding and we're offboarding and all of those things um th- making sure that that becomes routine and as error-free as possible has been a big area of emphasis for us and I think will continue um, into next year that you have to, the fundamentals of, of, of what you're doing you, ha- you have to be able to, to execute on and not have to have it take all your attention but it's just so easy for it to take all your attention um,
3: Yeah, and, and so to think about that is like do we strategically, to be able to shift and be like, okay, the operations run right, so now we can think about um, strategic strategically is this a line of business we want to be in and if it is what kind of skills and qualifications do we have to add right um and because I think there's a lot of that in our future you know is the who we want to be when we grow up that I mean it takes some people sitting around noodling some things out and spitballing ideas with each other and being like okay we agree these are areas where we want to focus and so we want to get some people certified in this and that and that's part of how those lines of business are going to grow and and then super important to the opportunity owners and the capture and the marketing uh of what we do so they're sort of you know just intrinsically intertwined there um going forward
1: for sure um Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, um, I see that you're 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 off mute, uh, which is either either a digital signal that you had some thoughts or inadvertent lack of mute button. But uh, your thoughts for for things like that for next year?
0: Uh, I I couldn't agree more with Ashley. Right. I mean. 2019-2020 2019-2020 20, 20, 20 was about making sure that we were doing the right things day-to-day day. Uh, and I think that we focused a lot on that. Um, you know, h- how do you take the hill? And with uh, next year, really looking at, you know, what hill do we want to take, right? It is taking the time to look at, at you know, h- how do we want to, to position ourselves if doing, you know, DevOps, DevSecOps, right? How, how are we going to be able to uh, compete in, you know, a world where tech challenges are more and more uh, common and things like that? And the ways to, to put uh, highlight and, in a direction that is uh good for the government interesting to me and good for the the folks that uh that that work with us uh are are really the the things that i'm looking at at for you know making sure that we get 2021 squared away with that and it's uh, and you know for someone whose motto is you know Often solve today's problems today. It's a, it is a, a, it's a different part of my brain, right? And so yeah. it's it's exciting.
1: So yeah, I, and I I I agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm often in that that camp. Well, because I I think you know our business, especially where the capture and BD side of things and the operational side are. Related, and we we've done a lot of work to try to make sure that we only propose things that can truly be executed, and that we're not going to go to a price we can't do the work, and any of those kinds of things. Um, so I, I think we've, I, I think we we bid th- bid work that is more executable than you know maybe other places I've, I've been in the past or uh, you know p- people I've worked with, but. There are still details that you're not going to be able to work everything out during that, that you know, BD phase, you know. And right. I, I look at things like, well, we have to find a facility for the, you know, for, to do this work out of. We have to find a hardware provider. Uh, we're going to have to find a real niche technology expert. You know, we'll just have to cross yeah. that bridge when we get to it. And uh, those those kind of problems that that are you know either either winners problems or, or, or opportunities that aren't there yet or any of those things you, you're like well when do I you know sometimes you inherit a whole bunch of those and you end mm-hmm. up having to solve a lot of that um, Now, to our you've certainly had had also quite the, quite the year um, in, 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 a, in, a, in a not unparalleled way that I could ever, ever certainly have seen. Are are there things, you know, other than not working seven days a week, are there, are there, are there, you know, and maybe getting a chair that is is, is not a casual dining (laughs) chair, were there, were there things that you were thinking about that you wanted to to do for next year?
2: Yeah. So I think if you've ever worked on a program with me, um, my biggest challenge is if it's not perfect, it's done wrong. And I think, you know, this past year has, I see a lot of smiles, I'm tough, I know it. But um, I think the big thing for me is that this year has really shown a lot of like actual problems, like real things we have to worry about and it provided a lot of perspective. So it allowed us to collectively say, okay, what's actually the most important thing and has helped prioritize. And I think that's something that I hope that I'm able to continue with over the next year. Um, Yes, and I, um, Perfect is the enemy of good. And that's something that I've heard from many people. And I know that that's a reality. We're all imperfect people. Um, the second thing is every year, I think my goal is always to get a little smarter. And I think that means different things to different people. So. Personally, it's how do I help support the PMs that work in the mission support organization? How do I support them better? How do I help them think outside the box a little more? Because they all have different challenges and that's something that is an exciting opportunity for me. And also bigger picture, how do we increase our ability to support the customer? Like what are we not bringing to the table now? And I think some of it is just a lack of knowledge. I don't know if it's technical, I don't know if it's, just not thinking about it, having the discussion, so kind of forcing our collective group to be uncomfortable with, um, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sorry, comfortable with being uncomfortable in that setting, because if um, the more standard things are, the less, the less we're really helping ourselves. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I think happens is. You get used to the day, the day to day, and so every year I tell myself, okay, I need to get smarter about something, otherwise I'm gonna be, com- I'm gonna become complacent, and um, I, it's it's one of my biggest uh, nightmares to happen. So I'm hoping that this year that I know it sounds silly, but I think we all want to be the best we can be. And so I think for me, it's always what can I do better that I didn't do last year? How can I be smarter? So, you know, and I know that we work with a lot of really smart people. So how can I leverage that? And
1: here's one thing that I will say, and I think that goes, you know, it's another part of, of my previous comments about the culture of the organization is I, I think all of us really are constantly trying to do things better, and and I think that there's a lot of organizations, you know, that I've been exposed to where you, you maybe don't find that as, as uniformly across the board. And, um, you know, this is not a – I mean, to to, to to look behind, you know, the kind of the way that we operate, you know, just from a service delivery standpoint, uh, I, I'm never – calling anybody and asking um you know are you doing what you're supposed to be doing our organization's (laughs) not like that it's it's if there's you know call me if if i can help or if we need to talk something over because i everybody here is really trying to push in the right direction and and do the right things um and and so i think that's that speaks again to the to the you know to the people that that we're all trying to get better on on an ongoing basis, and I think that's, um, I think whether it be the SBA work, whether it be the, the the Boston work that Kevin mentioned, you know some of the things I I think about all the programs that we've won in the last several years and some of them it was like hey look we, we know we know and have done a lot of this part of this work lots and lots of times but every program is always a little bit unique and a little bit different. It's like okay we're going to go figure that out. We're going to go learn that and that was the fun part, the exciting part. It wasn't this like oh. oh no I can't believe we have to go you know, do something new and you look for an opportunity to learn something and, and get better. Um, now Victoria look, just, you know, what, what are your thoughts about things that you want to do going into next year.
4: Well, I luckily have the luxury of being on the West Coast and three hours behind everyone else. So I think one of the big goals is getting all my meetings in the morning so I can have uninterrupted, like three or four hours of work in the afternoon and trying to figure out the balance between having that informal meeting time where I can just touch base and go, hey, I thought about this thing. What do you think? Or hey, we haven't talked in a while, let's talk about something while we both have 15 minutes. And then having those structured meetings of, hey, this is the strategy going forward, or this is the message we're trying to push. And trying to figure out that balance of having those intentional conversations versus those informal and you know, still trying to meet everyone and make sure everyone's needs are met from an external and an internal kind of perspective and making sure those messages get out. So it's kind of a mishmash.
1: Yeah, well, I I think that that you know that intentionality, and I, I do think that that's you know being a more mature organization. There's a piece of that being a more mature professional. There, it, it plays into that. I I will say that if the couple of things that I, I I'm going to try to focus on next year. The f- the first one is, and we've been doing a lot of this, is the mature fundamentals of the business. And so that those things that are supposed to happen on a recurring basis are happening on their own on a recurring basis so that we're not having to slow down and figure out what didn't get done. Not that we're having those problems, but a lot of the things that we've been trying to do internally, like we we know what agenda we're gonna have for the conversation we're gonna have on Mondays at 11. and. Mm-hmm. If we're going to stagger what we talk about there, that we remember that and do it and it's intentional and just things like the agenda and the artifacts for that conversation, they're going to come out 24 hours ahead of time so that if somebody wants to read ahead, they can do it. And those are just the the, the organizational maturity that I'll say I, I've not really – been around that much. I don't know if there are some of the kind of marquee names in, in technology or GovCon or wherever that 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 operate that way, but certainly the places that I've been were, were typically not that way. There were some, I would see some like big BD meetings when you were at CACI back in the days, you, you might get a read ahead and get some things before then. But um, I think- at the time, I viewed it as like, well, this is just more stuff that I, I need to do. But I think there's a way you can do it where – and this is where we make sure that people aren't overtasked, hopefully. That if you can have people where it is part of their job to do that and it's part of the time that they're supposed to budget and it's not just saying this is somebody else's you know ninth extra responsibility uh, and setting up those kind of routine organizational structures I, I think is a big um, – A big area of focus for next year. And then the other one, which is, I think, much more esoteric, is I I think that when you look back in government contracting, there have been – Groups of people that were influential and you look – and you would hear later on that that was the group of people that was together at whatever company. Uh, BTG back in the day was one of those. There was an STG group of people back in the day. Um, RSIS, um, Indus. These were companies that grew – about, yeah, Some to the size that we are today, some larger, um, ISS, which was a company that got acquired by uh, CSCI years ago. And if you watched the, the leadership teams of those organizations over the course of their career, um, you could come back and say that there was a common thread that – they, were, they, they picked up skills and experience and, and were positioned for the remainder of their career with real leadership success, and it kind of came back to a common cohort at that company. And it creates a, a cohort mesh kind of across the industry, I think. And you'd look back and you go, those, those people that worked there were immensely successful and whether the company stayed together or, or, or it, it, you know, sometimes there's acquisitions, and you know, ten years from now, who knows what what highlight will will look like or not. Um, but even if even if we are all all still together, it's looking at there was a period of years where the this team was impactful to government contracting as a whole and advanced government and did impactful things, and so I think we. I think we're kind of at one of those inflection points where I'd kind of say I think we may may be there at, at some level already and um you know when you're at a, a couple hundred million dollar you know business it's um you you certainly are are on that playing field and I think looking at lining up people's uh, objectives cuz there's there's a lot to this business. And some people want exposure to a lot of different parts of it. Some people wanna specialize in different areas. And I think we have a uh, an opportunity to make sure that um, at this scale, people can have the experience, whether it's being involved in the pipeline or involved in solutioning or ops or financials or you know, contracts or whatever piece. Because I know a lot of times when people Kind of grow up in a, a super large business. It's like, well, I was never allowed to touch pricing, right? And we don't have to be that way. And so, I think this this coming year of making sure that um, that we can use the corporation to provide expanded experience and and backfilling skill sets for uh, for the people in the corporation is. Um, is something that I I, I want to figure out how we continue to do or how we expand doing. And I think that's one of the areas that the the virtual remote work really helps because when you have somebody on a project and they're on a project and like as Ashley was saying, they don't have 20 minutes. Well, they can't. Drive out. You don't want them to sit and do some corporate activity, and you don't say, "Okay, well, if you have to drive from D.C. to Ashburn, I don't want to ask you to stop midway in Fairfax at 5:30." Those things are easier now, and we've we've had an opportunity to engage some people from our Cincinnati team, and uh, one of our employees from a project that lives in West Virginia. In some of our BD and proposal efforts, um, giving, you know, uh, other folks that are um, working delivery, working whatever, you know, part of the business that we're going to price something. Hey, you can come sit in to the strategy session for that and talk it talk it over. Um, That's something that I think is good we have a we, there's a potential for a unique opportunity to give people that exposure to the inner workings of the company especially because it's remote like we just it just you just couldn't you couldn't get there uh, in the same way that you can now uh, with allowing people to be able to flex into other areas so I think that's um you know certainly something that that I'm looking for for next year um well anybody have any any um you know, kind of final thoughts. I think as we wrap up here, we appreciate the uh, you know everybody's uh, time and uh, and engagement on uh, on on the highlight cast here. Um, any any final thoughts uh, before we uh, before we wrap up? All right. Well, thank thank you guys. Um, Wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Highlight Cast. If you take a look at our LinkedIn page for Highlight, we have uh, content that we we put out there as well with uh, some of the uh, updates from the company. And if you check our website, highlighttech.com, we put up news articles and so forth there for uh, other ways to learn about and engage with the company. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your time and uh, look forward to talking to you on the next Highlight Cast. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect Highlight Technologies and or any agency of the U.S. government.